I'm the youth pastor here at Praise. I've been here for four years. Uh, and so I, I love getting the chance to occasionally speak on Sunday mornings. Um, because some of you, if you don't have a middle schooler or a high schooler, we might not have much face time just because life is, is busy. And so this is a chance for us, I love it, uh, for you to get to know me a little bit better, to see my personality, to know my heart, to know what God's doing in our youth ministry. Uh, so I truly, I'm excited. Uh, Pastor Allen is a brilliantly deep communicator of the gospel. So if I were to try to get up here and do the same thing Alan does, um, I would fall short tremendously. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my thing. Um, and we're going to have some fun this morning. We're going to mix it up a little bit. Um, and I'm just believing that for you and me together, we're going to have some fun learning about Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. So we're going to be talking uh, about something that is near and dear to my heart. And that is the ability to see in the dark. The ability to see in the dark. How many of you, just by raising your hand, would say that on some scale, you are afraid of the dark, whether a little bit or a lot? Just raise it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. If you have a little bit of fear in your life from the dark, raise your hand so we can all see you. We're not laughing. Okay, no, that's all right. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark too. Um, so I, I, that was a joke. I want to get um, just some feedback from you guys. Why do you think people like you and I are either a little bit or a lot afraid of the dark? Where, where do you think that comes from? So if you have an answer, would you just wave at me? Kevin has one. What do you got, Kevin? It is the fear of the unknown, something we can't see. All right, we got one here. All right, what do you got? Because I can't see in the dark. Because you can't see in the dark. You never know what you might run into. All right, let's get one more here. Because she scares easily in the dark. I think these are all tied together. We scare easily in the dark because we can't see in the dark. And what we can't see is often unknown to us. That wasn't planned, but it worked together beautifully. <laughs> right? So, so what is the dark then? The dark is simply the absence of light. Now... This is not complete darkness, all right, because I know some of you, Kevin, are still afraid of the dark. And so we, we've left a little bit of light in here um, so, that, so that we can see a little bit. I want to tell you guys a story about the dark in the dark, right? That just sounds fitting. Um, and so this story takes place long, long ago when I was probably middle school age. Uh, my friends and I... We had a game that we loved to play in my parents' basement, and it, it was a form of hide-and-seek. Right, and so we had this large open basement. On one end of that basement was a spare bedroom that was the safe zone. Okay, that, that, that bedroom was the safe zone. Your goal was to be in the safe zone. And so what we would do is we would all line up on the far other side of the basement, and then one person who was it it was their job to guard the safe zone, right? And so when we said go, they would kind of walk through the room and try to tag you before you made it to the safe zone. Now, the tricky part about this 
was this basement had a lot of stuff in it, okay? So there were futons, there were coffee tables, there were table tables, there were gaming systems, there were footballs, there was food, there was drinks. There were so many things in this basement. If it's out there, we probably had some form of it in this basement. And so as you were running through the dark, occasionally you would smash into a table that I had moved as soon as the lights went out to distract you, right? That, that's just part of the game. And, and so you would throw things from across the room to try to get people's attention and mess with them. The whole goal being to get from one side of the room into the safe zone without really being able to see. I tell you this uh, because even in the darkness, even here this morning, our eyes will begin to adjust to our surroundings. Like you can make out the shapes of the things on this platform, but because you can't fully see, um, it's hard for you to maybe tell colors or distances as well. Like for example, you know that one of our painted black wood pallets are back here, but for you to guess the exact distance in inches from the door is probably difficult because it's all kind of blurred. You can't really see everything the way you were created to see when you're seeing in the dark. And it's not until the lights all come back on that you can see fully, all right? It's not until the lights are turned on that you and I can begin to see the way that we were created to see. Like that's when you know the black blur that hit you in the face was actually like a stuffed Elmo that we threw from across the room. That's when you know. The brown block that you smashed your head into was actually a blue futon, okay? Because in the dark, you can't see the way you were created to be until the lights are turned on. And I want to pose to you the idea this morning that many of us can view our lives in that same way, right? And one step farther, I want to pose to you the idea that many of us view our faith the same way as well, right? Your faith can get you into the room. But it's not until daily you turn that light switch on are you able to see the way that God created you to see. It's possible for you and for me to look at our lives dimly when in reality they were created to have life and color. And it's just as possible for you and I to look at our faith dimly when in reality they are supposed to be, they were meant to be full of life and color. My goal for us this morning um, is that we would see the joy and the peace that comes from seeing Jesus above all else. That we would know the joy and the peace that comes from seeing Jesus in the storm. And to realize that you have the choice every single day on whether you will see in the dark or be blinded by it. And so in order, in order for us to get to that point, though, um, we need to move from a story about me to a story about Jesus, okay? So if you have your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and get those out. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 23 in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible this morning, uh, you can probably look around and find one in a pew. We would love it if you would take that Bible, use that this morning. And if you don't have one at home, just go ahead and take that home with you. We would love for you 
to have that. If you have a cell phone, um, they have digital Bibles on there. And if you are lacking everything this morning and cannot find a Bible, we're going to put it up on the big electronic one behind me so that we can all follow along together. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. I'm going to take a drink. We're going to do something a little different, though, as we read the word together this morning. Uh, When you see on the screen a word in bold, I need all of us collectively to read that word out loud together. It's just going to help you focus. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And so just for for practice, right, this might be new to you. Uh, We have a practice slide we're going to show you right now. Are you ready? Do you remember the rules? All right, here we go. This is fun. Woo! You guys, got. we don't even need to do it again. You're on it. All right, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. If you're there, say, let's go. All right, here we go. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And not just for the winds and the waves. Remember that these disciples uh, were used to seeing Jesus do incredible things. They were used to food obeying Jesus. They were used to uh, sickness, obeying Jesus. They were used to death, obeying Jesus. And so the disciples, they, they're used to Jesus doing all of these things. And now they're in a boat traveling across to sea to another place where Jesus is going to do more of those things and even start casting out demons, right? So between these two incredible moments, they find themselves in this sea, in a boat, the storm's coming, and now they realize Even the very fabric of nature obeys the word of Jesus. And so verse 27 continues and ends with, And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? So they're sailing across this sea. A massive storm rolls in. Um, You can imagine these these. Men who, who knew how to handle life on a boat. Many of them were kind of called from that life. Um, you can imagine like they were doing everything they can. They were scooping water out of the boat. They were fixing the sails. They were trying to patch the things that were broken. The rain just piercing their face like needles as they struggled for their life. Like this was a very real moment for them. All while the whole time, the one who was sent to this world to save them is just chilling below deck, asleep. And so finally, uh, they call to Jesus. This morning, we're, we're talking about seeing, though. And it's clear to me as I read this that what the disciples saw was very different than what Jesus saw, right? Their response to the storm tells us exactly what they saw. They saw fear. They saw death approaching. They saw uncertainty. They saw anxiety. They saw all of these things. And when Jesus woke up up and looked, he saw calm. He saw a 
temporary storm. He saw something that would be here for a second, but then be gone another moment later. Their response to the storm tells us that they were seeing something different. Who, who can tell me just by shouting it out um, what the purpose of a boat is? To float. All right, one person knew in this whole room what the purpose of a boat was. Uh, so if you didn't catch it, the purpose of a boat at the most basic level is to float. Okay, and so the thing that was designed by their culture to get them safely from one point to another began to fall apart, causing them to fear, causing uh, them, them to see and know what anxiety felt like. The thing um, that they clung to for life became the thing that was now threatening to take life from them. And so they saw darkness. And I think the same thing is true for me and you. I think in a way there are things that were designed by our culture to give us success and safety that in reality when we focus on them might be the very things that are causing us to lose our lives. Here's what I mean. So many times we build our boats or our lives on the things that our culture says will give us safety and success. So what are those things? They are money, relationships, kids, social media likes and followers, houses, fame, schooling, status, and the list goes on. And, and as much as, as we say we don't build our lives around these things, in some way or another, we do. In some way or another, we do. And, and these things are nice. Like, it's nice to have money. It's nice to have a great marriage. It's nice most of the time to have kids. It's nice um, to have schooling. It, it's nice to be at a place where you can afford nice cars and nice houses. All of these things are nice and all of these things are beautiful. But the scary part happens when the storms come and begin to pull these things away from your life, begin to break these things away from your life. Life, the question arises, when that happens, how do you view yourself? How do you view life? How do you view God? How do you respond to those around you whom you love? What we see and what we focus our lives on will greatly determine our response to life, our response to faith, and our response to those around us. Because in reality, that boat created by our culture will sink won't it? Like people, as beautiful as you are, people will sometimes let you down. Money will sometimes dece deceive you, right? Things will sometimes disappoint you. We run around in those moments and, and we find ourselves frantically scooping water out of the boat, trying to patch holes, trying to fix our boat, hold it together the best that we can, when in reality, the thing that would give you life more than a safe passage would be to turn and remember who is on the boat with you. It would be to turn and see that Jesus is not just in the boat with you. He is in you. He is in you and you are in him. And that's part of the beauty of what it means for us to be able to follow Jesus. Because when our life, when our focus is on anything other than Jesus above all else, we are in a way blinded to the way that Christ created us to see, right? This causes us, this causes me to become cynical about life and about my faith and about what I'm supposed to be doing the next day at work. It causes me to, to snap at those that I love. It causes me to be disappointed and distracted at work. Um, the way that we view these things 
has an incredible impact on the way that we respond. And I'm not trying to be depressing this morning or to be a real downer. In fact, the rest of the message hopefully is very encouraging. But I wanted to get us to the point where we could all agree that what you see and how you see greatly affects the way that you live. All right, and if you're still not on that page yet, just imagine that you and I are driving in my car down Highway 65, right? It's kind of a crazy day, right? There's people everywhere. Maybe it's rush hour. And someone cuts us off out of nowhere, just angrily. They're swerving all over the place. And so you yell, what are you doing? Right? Startling, but understandable. Now imagine you and I, we're in my car again. We're driving down Highway 65. It's a peaceful day. The birds are singing. No one else is around. And out of nowhere, what are you doing? Right? That sounds ridiculous. Why? Because my response wasn't justified by what we saw, okay? What we saw was nothing, but what my response indicated was that there was a great storm coming, all right? And so we're going to leave that illustration there. It's a little bit ridiculous, Um, but, but I just wanted you to see and to know for all of us on the same page that what you see and how you see greatly affects the way you live and the way you live out your faith. So if we know some of those things that culture has built our boats around that we shouldn't focus on. If we know that those things will sink, if we know that those things will sometimes steal life instead of give it, what should we be focusing on then? What should we be focusing on if you and I want to learn how to see in the dark? The good news for you and for me at this point in the message is I don't have to make this part up. I don't have to try to work it together. I don't have to tell any stories uh, because Jesus tells us exactly what this looks like. And so I'm going to read this to you. It's in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 22. We're going to read a pretty good chunk of scripture. Um, I'm going to tell you exactly what Jesus says, and and you're going to help me um, by watching the screen. But what I need you to know Um, is that this takes time. What Jesus is about to tell us is simple, but it takes time. We know this because just two chapters before this storm comes onto the sea, Jesus tells the disciples exactly what to focus on and what not to focus on, and they still didn't get it. So don't feel bad if you're in the same boat with us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 22. I'm going to take another drink. It's good to stay hydrated. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 22, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body, did you guys forget the rules? (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll start over. I believe in you. The eye is the lamp of the body. I understand some of you are reading from your actual Bible. There are not bolded words there. Um, So for the sake of this, it might just be best to hang out with us on the screen. Uh, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? For no one can serve two masters 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not clothe you, O you of little faith? Does that sound familiar? Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here we go. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. In those 15 verses, Jesus sums up for us what not to focus on and what to focus on. All right, so why is this something that is so simple yet so difficult? Why is it so hard for us? Why do we struggle with this simple aspect of focusing on the right things versus focusing on the wrong things? Uh, like, did you know that there are some people here in this room who lose control when someone cuts them off in traffic? Right? There are some people in this room who lose control when their toddlers do not eat the healthy meal that you've spent hours preparing and then 10 minutes later have a meltdown because they're hungry. Like, those people exist and we need your help. <laughs> but even the way that we respond to these small storms in life even the way that we respond to these small storms in life are sometimes way off. And if that's you and you catch yourself responding in that way, don't feel bad. The disciples, they didn't figure this out either or Jesus would have kept napping, right? But they woke Jesus up because what they saw and what we so often see is a life-threatening storm when in reality Jesus sees something temporary that has come into our life and will be gone again tomorrow. Paul echoes something similar later in the book of 2 Corinthians that we're going to read, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, um, if you're still going rogue here with your Bible. Um, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I think Paul highlights a few things, truthfully, that you and I have to understand if we want to be able to see the way that Jesus in that verse is calling us to see. There are things that we have to know in order to get there. And so we're going to go ahead and read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jesus is in you. <laughs> Uh, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
right? Paul continues for, for several verses, and he talks about the struggles that they're facing as Christians in that day, uh, the persecution, the uh, imprisonment, death, all of these things. But he picks back up in verse 16, which I think is key for us to be able to move forward in learning how to see in the dark. Here we go, verse 16. It says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Paul says that if Jesus is in you, if Jesus is in you, you now have the ability to see in the dark if you choose to do so. Right? You have the ability to look past what Jesus calls the temporary, to look past what Paul calls the temporary, and see into the unseen or see into what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or kingdom purposes. If Jesus is in you, you now have that light in you to be able to see in the dark. So how do we do it then? I'm going to give you three extremely practical things that you can do this morning to help you see better in the dark. So if, if you forget everything else I talked about, I would still feel incredibly honored if you walked away this morning knowing these three things. So if you're taking notes and you want to go to heaven, um, this, these are three things that I just want to encourage you uh, to write down, okay? Step number one for seeing in the dark is to retract, retract. Step number one is to retract. It starts with understanding, as difficult as it may be to understand, that the temporary storm that you are facing is temporary. It's difficult, but it is temporary especially in light of the eternal glory that Christ has prepared for us. It's temporary. So should we be so quick to anger? Should we be so quick to be disappointed at something that lasts for seconds when what Jesus has for us and his love is eternal? So we must begin, in order to retract well, we must begin creating space in our days to pause take a deep breath and retract our focus from the thing that culture is pointing you towards so that you can remember where Christ is pointing you, all right? So we have to intentionally create time and space for us to retract those negative thoughts so that we can move forward with seeing in the dark. So when you find yourself in a moment, or preferably before a moment, and you feel um, those negative feelings, you feel anger, you feel resentment, you feel bitterness rising up in your heart. When you begin to feel that, take a moment this week, simply step back. When they don't want the carrots, step back, breathe, and realize that this is something temporary. This is a temporary storm that you see as pretty severe. But in reality, this is something that Jesus is going to use as a teaching moment for you, just like he did with the disciples. All right, so step number one, we have to 
retract. Step number two is to remember, all right? So we've retracted wrong thinking just for a moment. The next step is to remember who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. To remember that, yes, you are a fragile clay jar, but the light that is inside of you, Jesus who is inside of you, is so intensely and deeply satisfying that even when the boat falls apart, he is truly all you need. Even when the water is swamping the boat, you can still have hope because what's inside of you is greater than that that is inside of the world, right? And so when we remember who we are in Christ, when we remember our purpose, when we remember his love, when we remember the path that he has for us, we are able to choose to see him. We are able to choose to see peace. We are able to choose to see love. We are able to choose, believe it or not, to see patience even in the most difficult storms, all right? So we, we, we retract, we remember, and so the final step then is what do we do with that focus? What do we do with our attention? Step three is to refix. I know that's not a word, but I had three R's, and so I, just, I had to do it. Refix, put a hyphen in there if that helps. We have to refix our attention. We can't keep it retracted forever. And so what do we do? We fix our gaze on Jesus. We fix our gaze on his purposes. We fix our gaze on his words. I can't tell you in every situation in life what you need to know in order to brave the storm the way that God created you to do. You can only find that by fixing your own gaze on his words. And in doing so through the Bible, he will begin to preach little sermonettes to your soul as you refix your attention on him. I, I love the way the NLT reads one of the verses that we just read. Um, the ESV just says, so we look to, which is fine. Um, no offense. But uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 in the NLT, um, it, it says this. It says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We fix our gaze on him. We retract, we remember, and we refix our gaze on him. I, I don't want us to be so fooled with the temporary that we miss the eternal. I don't want us to be so fooled with, with momentary failures that we miss the fact that Jesus is alive inside of you. His light is alive inside of you. And this should cause you to beam, quite literally, with, with joy. This should cause you to live a new way. I, I don't want us to be so fooled with temporary annoyances that we miss out on the joy that can be a part of our lives when we live in the grace and the love and the patience and the kindness of Jesus. I don't want us to miss those things. And I, I say that not to, not to discount your experience or to tell you that the pain that you've experienced in life um, wasn't difficult or wasn't real um, I realize I've had an incredibly easy life, okay? I also know that we all come from wildly different backgrounds with wildly different stories and wildly different things that have broken our heart and caused us pain. So I'm not trying to discount what you have experienced. 
I simply want to remind you this morning of the things that Jesus says will give you life instead of take it away. The things that Paul says, if you would focus on this, you would, you would inherit the kingdom of God. You would inherit his joy, his love, his peace. If you would focus on these things, you would find true life instead of giving pieces of it up for a counterfeit thing that culture has told you that you need. I want to simplify for you the things that you let control your emotions, control your mind, control the words that you say by giving you just three incredibly simple things to do, to retract, to remember, and to refix your gaze on him. So what does this look like uh, for you and for me? Uh, for me, uh, this, this past year was one that God had to take me, uh, we'll use one of Pastor Allen's favorite words, on a journey through, right? This was a year for me that, at times, like looking back on it now, uh, you kind of you see better uh, when you look back at something that's happened in the past. Looking back on it now, I, I, was, I was disappointed and frustrated with how God was showing up in my life. If I could just be honest with you, I, I grew up in church three or four times a week, every single week, and loved it. Like I led worship on our youth worship team when I was a teenager. I was at National Fine Arts every single year. Um, I was a part of it all. I went to Master's Commission. I learned what it's like to give your life <laughs> for Jesus. Um, I, I, I got a job as a pastor. Um, I married a Christian woman. We had kids. Like, we continued to be in ministry. I continued to learn, continued to preach, continued to read my Bible. Yet there was something for me that was lacking, something that was missing. And if I can be really transparent with you, um, I thought, Jesus, this is really good. And it's better than what the world could give me. But is this really it? And uh, I, was, I was talking with Pastor Allen uh, kind of through this issue. And we were on a walk one morning. And through the course of the conversation, we came down to this idea that, that potentially what I was doing was building up my clay jar so much that the light wasn't able to shine through it. All right, I'm not saying like this is theologically sound in every area. I'm just trying to give you a picture of what was going on in my mind. Because what happened was when I felt like I needed to, to tweak my marriage, I would read a marriage book. When I felt like I needed to preach better, I would, re I would read a preaching book. When I felt like I needed to get more accomplished, I would read a book about organizing. When I felt like that wasn't working, I would read books about books about organizing. Like I was trying everything. When like health and fitness wasn't it, I thought, well, let me just watch some podcasts on like how to feel better that way. Um, and I tried all of these things, but I still found them empty. And so for me, the realization that I came to was that it was not enough for me just to get better. I had to see better. It wasn't enough for me to get better. I had to see better. It wasn't enough for me to keep getting better. What I needed was simply to get closer to Jesus. I needed to retract my focus from how my boat was looking on the water, okay? I needed to remind myself that Christ was in me and I was in him and that simple truth can bring so much joy to your life if you can relax about having to know everything else under the sun and just remember the fact that Jesus loves you, he's for you and the storms will come but his path for you 
is good, right? And I needed to refix my gaze on the fact that the thing that would truly give me life was not just becoming better, but becoming closer, right? And, and it's changed everything for me this year. The way that I worship, the way that I read my Bible, uh, the way that I pray. Like when people come to me and they ask for prayer, I'm starting to see that like there's more to this prayer than just them worrying about their boat. There's actually something deeper. There, there's a focus issue. And, and if I can begin to pray for that, what they'll find is true life, not just a nicer boat. And so it's begin to change everything for me. And so I don't have it all figured out, right? I still get irritated when my kids are screaming in the car for no reason at all. They love it. It's like a sport for them. I don't know. <laughs> but I am beginning to see each day better. I am beginning to see each day clearer. So what is it for you? What is the thing that has maybe clouded um, your view of who you are in Christ? What's the thing that's maybe clouded your view of who Christ can be in you and in your life? It's, uh, it, it's similar to these glasses. They look pretty cool, I know, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is, when I put these on, everything that I see is now several shades darker than it actually is, right? What I'm seeing is not really reality. I'm not seeing colors the way they were meant to be seen. I'm not seeing you the way that you're meant to be seen. And the same thing can be said when we put on the lens that our culture says that we need to look at life through, when we have to have the money and the success and nice things and a happy life in order for us to feel joy and to feel fulfilled, what happens is we put on those shades that culture says we need. And now, this is what happened to me. Now when I looked at Jesus, I no longer saw Jesus for who he really was. I saw a darker shade of who culture wanted me to think he was. When I looked at my life, I didn't see my life for what it really was. I didn't see all of the incredible blessings that Christ was giving me day after day after day after day because what I saw wasn't reality. What I was looking at was something that was a false view of what actually existed. And what I want for us this morning, what I want for you, what I want for me, is for us to find rest for our souls. And in order to do that, we need to take off the shades of what culture says we need everything to look like. We need to step out of the boats that we are so carefully building that are actually sinking. And we need to truly open our eyes and see. Jesus says that if we would do this, we would find that his way of life is light and it's easy, and it would give us rest for our souls. I tell you this because I know life is stressful. I know life can be disappointing. I know that there are bills and things that have to be taken care of. Last night, my car broke down on the way home from church from putting the slides together for this message. Pastor Caleb so lovingly picked me up this morning and brought me to church on the morning that I was preaching, right? Like, so I know what disappointment looks like. But I also know 
that I have a choice every single moment of the day on whether I will choose to see in the darkness or whether I will be blinded by it. I want to do something uh, maybe just a little bit different uh, this morning as we close. In a second, I'm going to put three questions uh, up on the screen. And what we're going to do um, is we're just going to pause uh, for a few minutes. And this is one of the things for me that has been so life-giving is to just not have to be running um, full speed 24-7, right? And just pause, <sighs> breathe and refix my gaze on Jesus. So we're gonna go ahead and show you those questions. And for the next two minutes or so, um, we're just gonna sit here in silence, which is a scary thing. The worship team is gonna play beautifully behind us. And I want you just to consider these questions for a couple minutes, and then I'm gonna come and close. wasn't so bad, was it? If, if, if this is something that as you read these questions, uh, you feel like you want to spend a little bit more time on, um, Sean, we're going to go ahead and put those back up after um, we pray, um, just for the time, the altar time this morning. If you'd like to just sit and reflect about these questions or pray, um, we would love for you to be able to do that. But I, I want to finish up with just a couple more sentences of what I wanted to say this morning. I love Paul in the Bible, and, and sound guy, Paul, we love you too. Um, I don't think Paul would have liked me, truthfully. Like Paul was very intense, like life or death, let's go at all times. Um, and I'm outside of what I may appear on stage, I'm a pretty calm, relaxed person. And so I, I don't know that Paul and I would have got along a lot, but, but I love the way that he speaks to us as a church now. I love the way Paul communicates. I love the way he challenges. I love the way Paul calls me to be bigger than I am. And here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 through 17. 
It says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Catch this. It says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The old life is gone. The new has begun. Is this a three-step plan to solve everything in your life? No. My hope for you is that you would realize this morning that the things that you set your focus on greatly determine the way that you live, the joy that you have, the, the experience that you can have with your faith. So I just wanna encourage you this week to create space in your day to retract, to remember who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. And then to refix your gaze on the things that Jesus says brings you life, not take it away. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close this morning. And if you're here this morning and and you would say maybe that you've never given your life to Christ before, you've never dedicated your life to Jesus' uh, new way of living, new way of seeing, new way of doing life, and, and you would like to do that this morning, I'm going to pray to dismiss in a couple seconds. And if that's you this morning, as we dismiss, um, our prayer team is going to come forward at this time. Um, and if that's you, as we dismiss, as people are heading out, would you just begin to make your way to the front and pray with someone on our prayer team? Um, they are dedicated to you, to praying with you this morning and not just this morning, but for the rest of the week, they have agreed to be praying for you. And if you're here this morning and um, uh, maybe you are like me in a way and it's easy for you to get your focus off-centered and to begin building your boat around the things that culture says will bring you joy. But in reality, you see that as those things fall off, it's just difficult. Maybe life wasn't everything you hoped it would be. Your faith isn't everything you hoped it would be. Um, I wanna challenge you as well, if that's you as we dismiss, um, to spend some time either in your seat reflecting or time up front praying. Um, just that God would help you to see in the dark, that God would help you to see that there is a fake counterfeit version of life that culture offers you, that not all of is bad, but it won't give you true life. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for these moments together as a family. God, I pray this week that we would be people who see in the dark. God, I pray that we would be people that when, life, when life's storms are approaching, God, help us to retract and remember and refix our gaze on you. For we know in our hearts 
that what our souls are longing for is something bigger than this world can give us. What we were created for was something bigger than this world has in store for us. And so Father, I just pray that you would help us to see clearly this week. Help us to see truly this week. Help us to see you this week. We love you and we thank you for it. And together in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you'd like to stay and pray, we would love that. If not, feel free to be dismissed this morning.